And now, discover your true course. This podcast is a production of True Course Life and Leadership Development. Your host, founder and president, Dr. Michael Godfrey. Hello, and welcome to Discover Your True Course. This podcast is one of the ways we serve and support individuals and their organizations in their pursuit of more that matters. You know, it's a complicated, confusing world out there. Who do you trust to help you sort it out? True Course is a trusted guide for accomplished and successful individuals who know that there is still more that matters. These individuals discover ways to manage their success to be more, see more, achieve more, and finish without regret, both personally and professionally. In this series of our podcast, we're talking about building the life you've always wanted. So far, we've looked at how it all begins with your worldview and source of authority for living. We've also explored vocation, your calling, as the first part of a foundation for that life. Establishing this foundation can enrich your life, lead to success, give you greater focus, and help you create the life you really want, personally and professionally. It's a life you can finish without regret. In this episode, I want to tell you about the one characteristic of the called that is the game-changer for building the life you've always wanted. As I stated earlier in this series, my Christian worldview and authority source informs my approach here. In our last episode, we recall that Jesus said loving God and loving others as we love ourselves is the greatest and foremost of all the commandments. It is the most essential mark of the called. In pre-biblical Greek, there are three words that reference different types of love. The New Testament uses only two of these. You may have heard of this Greek word used for love in the Great Commandment, agape. Jesus chose this word to describe God's love and the love that marks those who respond to God's call. In classical Greek, agape could mean an external attitude such as to be satisfied with something, or to receive, to greet, or to honor. Or it can refer to an inward attitude of seeking after something, or desiring someone or something. It can also denote friendship among equals, to prefer, to set one good or one aim above another, or to esteem one person more highly than another. Through his teaching and example, Jesus gives unique definition to agape as it relates to his kingdom. He tells his followers, the called, what it means to really love and to treat others as we want to be treated. By Jesus' definition, agape is love that can only be produced by the active work of God in a person. It is not something that a person can produce on their own. It's a way of living and relating produced in and expressed by the called as they continue to follow Christ's calling. This kind of love is the game changer for building the life you've always wanted. It is the testifying mark of the called and is indispensable for experiencing life abundantly, life at its best. We want to explore Jesus' redefinition of agape and understand exactly what he means when he says, love. As we work through parts of this definition, think of your relationships to God, to your spouse, a friend, or an enemy, and ask yourself if you are loving toward them. As defined by Jesus, 
Love is not an impulse of feelings or a passion. I'm going to date myself now. When I served in youth ministry and spoke in high schools, I used a song written by David Pomeranz entitled, Trying to Get the Feeling Again. It was recorded by Barry Manilow and released first by him in 1976. You can catch it on YouTube if you want. I used the song to capture attention about the misinformation that love is first a feeling. The first words of the song went something like this. Doctor, my woman is coming back home late today. Could you maybe give me something? Because the feeling is gone and I must get it back right away before she sees that I've been up, down, trying to get the feeling again. In 2010, Bruce Springsteen wrote, Gotta get that feeling with words that seem to be along these same lines. I see this as evidence that a popular view of love as passion, emotion, fickle, erratic, impulsive, and easily changed is present in our culture. But love is not a feeling. Love that Christ describes is an action that grows out of our relationship to Him. The Apostle Paul elaborates on this action in 1 Corinthians 13 in the early parts of that chapter. A second part of Jesus' redefinition is, love is not necessarily a natural inclination. We demonstrate this love only as God produces it in us. We cannot do it on our own, nor are we inclined to do so. In Matthew 5, verses 43-44, through 44, Jesus turns away from the Jewish tradition and calls for a more demanding expression of love. He says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And skipping to verse 46, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? In Luke 6, 27-28, he says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. In light of these statements, it's no doubt that we're called to a very different level of loving that can only be produced in us by Christ working through us. A third element of this type of love is that it is sacrificed by deliberate, free choice. It is a giving, active love on behalf of another. Jesus defined this in His incarnation, His coming in the flesh, His suffering, and death. It's a love that says, I give to you because I choose to do so. I yield to you because I choose to do so. Even though it costs me my wants, wishes, expectations, riches, reputation, or even my life. The Apostle John said in his first letter, 1 John 4, 9-11, By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or the sin offering for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. It is that sacrifice by deliberate choice that Christ demonstrated for us that is our example for love. Paul described it in Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, 
but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to greedily. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So this love that we are called to is sacrifice by deliberate choice, and Jesus set the example for it. This agape love, the love that Jesus calls us to, is not motivated by the merits of its objects. Undeserved favor from one toward another. My favorite passage that illustrates this is Romans chapter 5, verse 8, which states, But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were doing the very thing that hurts the heart of God most, and that He hates most, while we were rebelling against Him and sinning, He demonstrated His love toward us and sent Christ to die. This love does not have to be won. A person need not deserve it. In fact, this love is expressed toward the least deserving. And I wonder who that is for you. Who is it that you see as least deserving of your love? This love that Jesus describes says that that person need not deserve your love. You give it freely because your love is not motivated by the merits of the object. It's a love that says you don't have to do anything to receive the actions of love from me. You don't have to meet my expectations. You don't have to look good. You don't have to behave in a certain way. You don't have to look a certain way or speak a certain way. You don't have to do good for me in order for me to do good to you. This love always seeks the best for its object. It lifts up the downtrodden and gives hope. The last element of this love is that it is given freely, without reserve or limit, and without any hope or expectation of return. Jesus certainly did this as he sacrificed himself on the cross and freely offers that gift to all who will receive it, but knowing that everyone will not. If you're like me, you have some work to do in treating people as you'd like to be treating and loving others as ourselves. And in expressing this love, this agape love that Jesus modeled for us, and loving others as ourselves. If you treat your spouse, children, friends, employees, and colleagues with this agape love, you'll be well on your way to building the life you've always wanted and positioning yourself to finish without regret. In our next episode, we'll look more at the foundational pieces that grow out of your vocation. If you'd like to talk more about this, please put your fear away. Make the time and contact me at discover at discoveryourtruecourse.com. You can also find help along these lines in my book, Without Regret. It's available on Amazon.com in paper, Kindle, and audio. If we can join you on your quest to be more, see more, achieve more, and finish without regret, please contact us. I'm Michael Godfrey. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. This has been a production of True Course Life and Leadership Development. Copyright by J. Michael Godfrey. All rights reserved.